Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verse 2 through 15. Oh, yes. Mm. You know, I was, I was, uh, Brother Roman had been hounding me to go work out all week. So I told him, I said, well, I get up at 5 and go work out. So I went to the gym this morning, and I was waiting and waiting. And uh, I waited some more. And I was patient in the Lord. I waited and I waited. It reminds me of something that Pastor Mitchell told me when I preached for him time back. He, I asked him if he wanted to go play some basketball. He says, Alvin, I'm saving all my strength for a nap. I think Roman saved his strength too. Anyway, Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 through 15. No, I'm just joking. He broke his ankle so he couldn't come. God told Abraham in Genesis 12, 1, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will make your name great. This prophetic utterance began to move from generation to generation. And you must understand that God is a generation God. He is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of Joseph. And he is the God of Moses. And he is also the God of Joshua. And it teaches us this. If God is Abraham's God, he's simply saying this. If I was your granddaddy's God, and if I was your daddy's God, I will also be your God. If I moved in times before, I can do it for you. I can move in your life, in your situation, in your home, in your mind, in your own troubles that you are experiencing in your life. If I was your father's God, I will be your God too. What it teaches us is the assessment of your greatness is not necessarily seen in you, but it is seen in your children and your grandchildren. That real, real greatness and real success is transgenerational. It goes from generation to generation. What we are a part of, if it is of God, it will last. It will go from generation to generation. For this is the will of God, and this is how you can really say that we are a part of a move of God. Because God is not a monument. God is not something just to look back to or to look at what he did. But God is a movement. He's always moving in the earth and God should be moving in your life. He should be moving in your nation and moving in your ministry because God is always at work. Uh, It's important to understand that every significant move of God started with one man. We live in a conglomeration world. Mass media, mega churches, 
big this and big that. And we think we need lots of people to do something. But this is not necessarily true. Whenever God got ready to move in the earth, God looked for a man. When he got ready to move in creation, he created a man by the name amen, of Adam. When he got ready to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he raised up a Nehemiah. Whenever God wants to move in the earth, he's always looking for one man. If God can get one man who becomes radical, one man who becomes relentless, one man that says, I will do what you tell me to do. I will do your will. I do not care what other people are doing. I do not care what society says. I am going to do what you created me to do. I am going to do your will. In our text this morning, we read about Joshua. Joshua was that kind of man. He was the kind of man that when God spoke to him, the Bible says in verse 15, the last four words, and Joshua did so. And Joshua did did so, that when God speaks a word to you, when God begins to move upon you, when God provokes you in your spirit, he is looking for people that will simply do what he tells them to do. Don't come here all week, please, and hear sermons and say, oh, that was great, and then leave just as jacked up as you can. Don't do it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste God's time. God's looking for people that'll do it. He's looking for young men that'll make decisions, destiny-making decisions. He's looking for young women that'll say, I want to do what God, amen, has designed and purposed for me to do in the earth. I want to do what God says to do. I want to preach a sermon I've called Just Do It. We're going to read together. You got to help me this morning. We're going to read together. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. We read it last night. Well, Pastor Ruby read it last night. But we're going to read it together this morning. Let me get me a little bit of water because I get dry up in this place. Cheers. Are you ready this morning? On the count of three, let's read together. They're going to put it up there. That means read out loud in concert. And we're going to read all the way to verse 15 as I... Consider my assignment this morning. On the count of three, I might drop out. You keep reading. One, two, three. And at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of foreskin. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. And all the people that came out of Egypt that were males even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Everybody. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land, which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised 
For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them, by the way. Verse 8. And it came to pass when they had done circumcised all the people that were bold in the, place, in the place in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal until this day. Verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat the fruit of the land of the Canaan that year. Verse 13, everybody. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What said my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of the host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standeth is holy. And Joshua, and Joshua did so. Give the Lord a round of applause for his word. I want you to consider the acts of Joshua. When you read about Joshua, the pervasive characteristic of his life is that Joshua was a man of war. When Moses needed someone to fight without, amen, needing to be propped up, he would understand, called Joshua. Joshua did not need to be micromanaged. Joshua did not need a search party to go looking for him. Joshua was, was the kind of man that when Moses needed someone to get the job done, amen, he would call Joshua. Joshua was a man of war. Joshua was a man of action. Anytime Moses wanted someone to do something without having, amen, to cuddle them, always pat them on their back, let them know, yeah, it's, it's going to be all right. Uh-uh. He called Joshua because Joshua was a no-nonsense type of man. Joshua was a man that could take a command and execute the command. Now, if you are a military person, military people understand this. If your commander tells you or asks you to do something, if you have a Joshua spirit, your response is, sir, consider it, consider it done. This is Joshua. He had that kind, amen, of spirit. He had that kind of mindset. He was focused. He was not double-minded. He was not milkshake-minded. He was not here and there, but this man had determined that he was going to do what God wanted him to do. So Moses was able to lean on Joshua because Joshua had made up in his mind, I come to do what God wants me to do. Oh, see, well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just talking right now, but see, 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 I'm, I'm weary. I'm, I'm weary. See, Joshua was a doer of the word. God blesses what we do. 
God blesses what we do. I'm weary of people who are always talking about what they're going to do. Always talking about it. Yeah, if y'all send me out, I'll show y'all how it's done. Uh, Listen, do it. Do it. And as soon as you get out there, six months later, Pastor, can you bring me back home? Joshua was a man of war. Joshua had made up in his mind he is going to do what he's asked to do. In saying that, Joshua reveals the personal price that must be paid to walk into your destiny. Look at verse 2 of our text. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. The second time is key. God is calling Israel to a second circumcision, if you will, or simply the reestablishing of covenant. He is reestablishing covenant and the spirit of covenant throughout the nation of Israel. He's simply wanting to let the people know, old and young, that God is expecting something from you. You have to understand that. You have to teach people this. God requires things of you. He, I mean, Listen, God says, my name ain't Jim. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. God says, don't treat me like an ATM machine, but understand I'm going to require some things from you. I'm going to ask you to make some serious sacrifices. I'm going to call you to a life of obedience. You're not just going to do what you want to do if you serve me. You're not just going to walk into the promised land. There are some things that are required of you. He says, take yourself knives for the second time teaches us that spiritual circumcision needs to be an ongoing work of grace in our lives. Now, circumcision literally means the trimming back or the removal of that which is not needed. It is the trimming back or the removal of that which is not needed. To trim back that fleshly part, amen, that is not essential to get the job done. That, amen, that which profits nothing in your life. That's what, I mean, that which has no life, which carries infection and disease. God says, I can take you no further until you trim back some stuff. You remove some things from your life, amen, that keep you and hinder you from entering into into the fullness of my will and promise for your life. There has to be a trimming, a personal evaluation, a personal examination of your own life, saying some things got to go. Some things must be removed from my life in order for God to show up in my life. Uh, Stay with me. It is this trimming process that starts the fifth chapter of the book of Joshua. Literally, in order to get what you need from God or what God has for your life, you will not walk in and possess the land with your flesh out of control. That's what he's saying. You're not just going to walk in and get what God has for you with your flesh all out of control. And he says, you got to stop right here and deal with some things in your life. 
you have to stop right here and deal with some fleshly attitudes. You got to stop right here and deal with that lustful, whoremongering spirit. You got to stop right here and deal with that lying tongue. You have to stop right here and deal with that spirit of gossip that has, amen, possessed your being. You got the before you can enter in, you can go no further in my will. You're not going to see a consistent move of God in your life until you stop right here and remove some things from your life. Stay with me, church. Oh, God says you must deal with yourself. You must bring yourself up under some kind of order. Amen. You must put some boundaries around your life. You got to do this yourself. In the Old Testament, the people did it many times, amen, as a congregation, many times corporately. But God says in the New Testament, this is more personal now. You're going to have to, amen, walk through the woods yourself, get along with yourself, and begin to talk and say, you know what? I should be further than this man i should be living better than this i should be treating people better than this i gotta quit acting like i'm out of my mind what in the world is wrong with me he says you got to take your little self on a walk like abraham did and he walked through the woods and he took a sharp rock and he had to handle some business he says you got to take yourself on a walk and begin to deal with yourself deal with yourself stay with me church i'm I'm just talking. So, so, the Bible implies that Joshua began to pass the knives around. What we learned, you can walk with God a long time as a believer and still have flesh in your life. And still have carnality in your life. And God says, yes, I will put up with that for a season. But there will come a time that we got to make a stop in the road. There'll come a time. And, and I thank God for these conferences. I, I thank God for revivals. Amen. These are times that God would bring us to a place, amen, to bring a word to us, to give us a word, the word, the two-edged sword, to give us the word that we can begin to take this word and lay it to the axe amen, of our lives and begin to deal with roots, roots of bitterness. We can begin to deal with things, amen, amen, that are growing in us and destroying us. And God says it is important that we stop right now and deal with this because you're not going to be able to go into your destiny. This is the whole picture. It's a journey now. God's taking them somewhere. Remember now, it started with Abraham. It's the promise of God. See, God, God is, is, is a God that when he makes a promise, he likes to keep a promise. And so he's moving through generations. He's moving through generations. We're getting older around here, if you did not notice. Folks, you know, it was last night me and Pastor Ruby were sitting on, on the platform, and the guys, they were, they were testifying, and, and they were talking, and they were talking and they were testifying and we were looking at our watches and it's like three minutes and four minutes and he said he go man everybody just just talking up I said brother folks folks getting old man they don't they getting real old they don't even know time no more when you start getting old you just you know what I'm saying you don't know stuff you just start talking and talking and next thing you know you know we're just talking. 
That's why I got my, I got, this is the first time I ever had milk clock up here. Because it's, it's, it's time, time, ch- church, time. Before you can go any further, you have to stop right here. You got to deal with your attitude and personality. That fleshly part of you that keeps you from possessing God's promises for your life. Until you cut it, you cannot have it. Until you cut it, cutting back that part of me that is vulnerable to uncleanness, cutting back that part of me that keeps me from productivity and fruitfulness, it is a place of removal. And Joshua did so. Stop right here. Deal with this. And he began to pass out now. And Joshua did so. Begin to deal with this men. Begin to bring them in. Not just passing out rules, but he had personal relationship with them. Amen. Begin to tell them about this covenant of God. This God of covenant. This covenant that goes on the inside and is revealed on the outside. The God that's not just looking at the outside, but he's looking at your heart. He's looking at that relationship. And Joshua began to minister these people. And Joshua did so. Consider with me, because he did this, God's response or Joshua's reward. Listen with me. As you follow the journey from Joshua's point, what God does, he brings them to a place called Gilgal. Say Gilgal. Gilgal was a place that God was going to prepare the people to enter into the promised land. It was not the promised land. It was before Jordan, two and a half miles outside of Jordan, or Jericho, if you will. And, 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 and he is going to prepare them to enter in. In verse 8 of the text, from now here, verse 8 says this. And so it was when it finished circumcised all the people, they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And so the Bible says they abode in the camp. What it means is this. Many times when God deals with us about issues in our lives, it can be painful. Many times when God chastises us, reveals areas of struggles and areas of failure in our lives, and it begins to administer correction, it can be painful. The Bible says they did something. At Gilgal, the Bible says they encamped at Gilgal, they abode at Gilgal, or they rested at Gilgal. I want you to hear me, hear me very well. In your congregation, in your church, every church should be a type of Gilgal. That when people go through things, whether they've been on the field and they come back home, it should be a place that God can bring healing to their lives. It should be a place that they can have some wholeness. God brought you to Gilgal, amen, to prepare you to go into your destiny. Yes, I know it was tough. Yes, I know you went through some things. Yes, I know that you were cut and you were hurt. But God says there is a Gilgal for you to bring some healing and some health to your life that you can get back up again and do what God has called you to do. Oh, stay with me, church. Gilgal. 
Gilgal was a place that issues had to be addressed. Disciplines had to be enforced. Knives had to be passed out. The trimming removal process had to take place. And so as a result, healing was needed. It was a place they could sit down and be made whole. He used the word abode. It means to rest. There is a place in God that we can find rest for our souls. There is a place in God. I know you've gone through some things. I know you've taken some hits, but there is a place in God that God can strengthen you, that God can minister to your soul. Thank God for conferences. It's a Gilgal moment. It is a place that we can come and receive refreshings from the Lord, a word of direction, a word of help and hope from God. And they stopped at Gilgal. Ah. Verse 9 is one of my favorite verses, and, and, and it's, it's significant because as they stopped there, something happened. Here is God's response to the knife, to removal. Because you obeyed my word, because you did what I told you to do, I know it was not easy. I know there was pain. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. He says, because you have done what I told you to do, because you looked in the mirror and you saw who you were, you did not forget what you were, you did not forget what you did, and you began to deal with yourself. You had self-examination. You examined yourself to see if you were really in the faith. He says, because you did this, he says, I'm going to roll away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. God says, because you did this now, I'm going to do my thing. You did your thing, now I'm going to do my thing for you. I'm going to show you something. Listen, the word shame or reproach comes from the root word to point the finger at. Shame has to do with who I am. It is the accusation related to who I am and what I have done. It relates to who they are and who are seen to be in the eyes of the Egyptians. The Egyptians would point their fingers at the children of Israel as they were walking through the wilderness for 40 years. And say, you said you were a child of God. And you said God was going to move in your life. Look at y'all walking in a circle. It was shameful to say, we are the children of the most high God. Our God is faithful. Our God moves for us. Our God has destiny. Our God's going to move. And when they looked at the children of Israel, they're arguing and fighting. They're worshiping gold and cat. They, do- they pointed their finger at them. I thought you said you went down to the door. I thought you said you were a child of God. I thought you said you were on fire, man. I thought you said your God was powerful and your God was this and that. And they walked around with shame. It is where we get the word guilt and embarrassment. They're all cousins. When you become guilty, you become embarrassed because people know your business. And when they know your business, shame. Can I get a witness? You feel bad. God says I brought you here because I've seen the reproach of Egypt on you. 
I've seen, amen, how you walk around. I've seen the heavy shoulders. I've seen how you look at yourself and you look at your ministry and you look at your church and you look, amen, at your home and you look at what's going on and you look at your financial situation. I see the embarrassment in your life. He says, what I'm going to do because you did what I said, I'm going to roll away your shame. I'm going to roll away. Now, now, in order to understand this roll away, let me tell you, let me tell you what it is. It comes, it is uh, an actual uh, uh, cultural significance that comes out of the culture of the time. Back in the day, they would move large loaves and they would use camels. They would put all these chests and stuff on the back of camels. And camels would go from one city to the next. In order to get these heavy loaves off camels, they would take a stick and they would tap the camel on the knee. And the camel would fall to his knees. When the camel went to his knees, they could roll off, amen, the load because the camel was so high. He would, they would knock one of his knees. The camel would kind of fight and he would go back and forth until he would come down to his knees and then they would roll the load off of the camel. God says, I brought you to Gilgal. I dealt with you, amen, about issues in your life. I call you to a place of removal. When you begin to remove something, I brought you to Gilgal to bring you to your knees. I brought you to Gilgal to humble you again. I brought you to Gilgal to bring you to a place that I can roll off your shame. I can roll it off. Give God praise for it. Come on. I see you. It speaks to inconsistent living. It speaks to a life in ministry that vacillates a mind that goes in circles. He says, I'm going to roll off your inconsistencies. I'm going to roll off, amen, this vacillating life. I'm going to bring a consistency to your life. I'm going to give you power now to stay on course. Amen. I'm going to keep you and preserve you. I'm going to be the lifter of your head and the help of your countenance. I'm going to be your God because you have did what I told you to do. You obeyed my word. Now I'm going to roll some stuff off you. Gilgal is a place that God seeks to bring us to our knees in order to remove the inconsistencies that bring shame to our lives. As I close, consider the ultimate reward. Now this is my favorite part. That's like my intro. I'm, I'm not even sure. Verse 13. Now, you got to understand now. I, I, I started this off by saying Joshua was a man of, he was, listen, Joshua wasn't no joke. You studied this, but this brother was serious. Oh, this brother was serious. When the Gilgal, all the people were healed now. All the people get up. It's time to go. We feel good now, Joshua. Let's do this thing. ha, <laughs> ha. Let's do this. Joshua begins to move towards Jericho. Verse 13. And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? This is no joke. This is Joshua, y'all. This is, I, I got to show you, Joshua. This, 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 Make sure I got the right one here. Yeah. Joshua, no joke, y'all. <laughs> Joshua, no joke. Hey, 
Joshua's going into Jericho. Joshua gets there, and the Bible says he sees this man. Opposite him, the man has a sword in his hand. Joshua looks at the brother, and he says to this, Hey, you, are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? Joshua said, I will cut you. <laughs> well, you better ask somebody. Don't you? Hey, Joshua with no joke. See? Verse 14, listen to what the man says in verse 14. And he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? So Joshua fell down, drops his sword and begins to worship. He says, what do you want me to do? He, first he says, are you with me or are you against me? And he says, nay. He says, I'm not with you or with them. He said, that's your problem. You tried to manipulate me to get with you. But I came down here so that you can get with me. It is not about me getting with Oh, Joshua. Stay with me, church. The problem, we're always trying to get God to do our thing. I came here that you could get with me because unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor, but in vain. Joshua is actually looking at a theophonic manifestation of God in the Old Testament. He is looking at Christ in the Old Testament, the captain of the host. He is looking at Christ. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said unto him, What saith thou, my Lord? And in verse 15, And the captain of the host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thy standeth is holy. And Joshua did so. He instructs him to remove his shoes because the place where he is standing is holy. And so for long long time I never understood that because there's nothing holy about this three by three piece of man of carpet that I'm standing on. There's nothing holy necessarily about ground. But here is Christ in the Old Testament and he's saying something to Joshua that I want to leave with you before our brother comes. The place without standing is holy. We believe in holiness. We believe in righteousness, sanctification, separation, consecration. We believe in being washed and being cleaned by God. But he's saying something here that is so profound. He's telling Joshua, you have finally come to a place in your life where I can perform what I promised you as a child. You have finally come to a place in your life where I can finally use you the way I want to use you. And because of that, that's holy. 
the place you are in in your life, all that you've gone through, all the decisions that you've made, all the pain that you've experienced along the way, all the things you put up with and you stayed on course and you did what I said to do, that's holy. He says, Joshua, listen. He says, you've gone amen, through times of ups and downs. People have walked out on you. They have broken your heart, but you have stayed to task. You have done my will. That's holy. The place you're in in your life because you've judged yourself. Amen. And you looked at yourself and examined yourself and said, this is not right. And you did my will. He says, you in that place is holy. And he says, because of that, I can bring you in. And this is what's happening. This is what he's saying. Because you in a holy, I got the real one now. <laughs> he had his sword out. He says, now I'm going to fight for you because the battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, he says, the place you're in, that place in your life, the things you've gone through, that holy all that you've experienced and, and the hurt and, and the struggles, but you're still here and you're still worshiping me. That's holy. He says, that's what real holiness is. That's holy. He says, even when you lost your job, you still trusted in me. He says, that's holy. Even when your husband walked out on you and just kicked you to the ground and you still lift up holy hand, he says, that's holy. And because of that, I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to release to you, amen, my authority, and I'm going to be your God. Somebody give him praise for it. speaks to your obedience to raise your children up in the way that they should go to obey my word that's holy that's a holy place Jim says something about your place you can take my spot and you can take my position but you can't take my place my place is what I went through with God my place is what has inspired in my life all the things I've experienced along the way you can take my position you can take my title but you can't take my place uh, see some people can't be re replaced all the stuff they've gone through all the wisdom and experience and knowledge that they've learned along the way the obedience amen that they have made before the Lord God says that is holy that's what causes heaven to come down in the midst of your city, in the midst of your situation, it causes the captain of the host to stand before you and say, listen, the battle belongs to me. Take your shoes off, son. <laughs> Take your shoes off. Shoes, I mean, means protection. Listen, especially back in the day, shoes, because they walked a lot. He says, take your shoe. I'm going to be your protector now. I'm going to cover you now. You can follow my lead now. I'm, I'm going to fight for you because the battle belongs to the Lord. All because, and Joshua did so. There's some of you, 
all this talking, I'm going to do this. Joshua was a do-it man. He did it. We need people, men and women, who will do it, who will do what God tells them to do. And when you do it, you will experience an outpouring of power like never before. Let's welcome Brother Setson as he comes to preach the gospel.